Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And the award goes to Tuesday, December 13th, 2022. And the award goes to is the nothing personal phrase of the day. I was watching NFL. I was watching last night, watching during the weekend. From time to time, not as much as I would like to have due to travel. But what struck me is I have a thing. My thing, everyone's got a thing, right? I have multiple things, that is true. My main thing is that I cannot understand, and I've screamed it from the podium of nothing personal, why in the NFL you take a timeout in the first or third quarter when it's third and eight and you don't, and the play clock is running down and you burn a timeout because you don't want to go to third and 13, you'd rather have one fewer timeout, which you may need at the end of the half to score points, or you may need at the end of the game to try to win the game. Early timeouts, first and third quarter, have always driven me crazy. I'm not a coach, but tell me I'm wrong that the value of a timeout is greater than five yards. In every scenario, even third and goal from the one. Well, maybe not that, but I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to die on this hill. Which is the overall thesis that I have that time is everything. It is the one commodity we want more of, the one we cannot acquire, the one that once it is wasted, it is gone. It is a decreasing asset. It is the number one decreasing asset in this world. What the NFL has realized, and they're a little late to this party, is something that other leagues have seen happen and then decided they can't fight it, so they're gonna join it. Let me go back to the NBA. A couple decades ago in the NBA, there was something called a 24-second injury timeout. That meant that during the course of a game, if you had a player that was injured, who was injured, not that, players or people, a player who was injured, start that again, Coca-4, 8, 69. Many years ago in the NBA, if you had a player who was injured while the game was happening, the clock would stop because a team could call a 24-second injury timeout. It's when you put your, the coach would put his hands on his shoulders 
the referees would stop the game, the player would get attended to. Meanwhile, the four remaining healthy players would huddle with the coach, a play would be called, and then 24 seconds later, the game would continue. Wouldn't you know it, that teams realized we can take advantage of this injury timeout and we can get ourselves an extra timeout because you only get seven in a game. And we can not just stop the clock, but more importantly, we can set up a play. So in the NBA, teams who got smart started saying to players toward the end of the half or the end of a game, hey, go down, grab your knee and go down. We are calling our 24 second timeout, setting up a play. The NBA got together under David Stern and, and said, you know what? This does not work for us. We do not want anyone faking injuries. It is a bad look. Here's what we're gonna do. Forget the 24 second injury timeout. We're gonna give you seven timeouts in a game, but on top of that, you could have one 20 second timeout per half. Don't fake an injury. Don't get yourself nominated for a Golden Globe or Academy Award. Just call the 20 second timeout and that's it. So really in the NBA, they went from seven times out to eight. Fine. In baseball, there are no such things as timeouts. They legislate against the number of mound visits. I spent years trying to get MLB to go to the timeout structure. If you want to go to the mound, if you want to talk to your pitcher, if you want your position players to talk to one another, if you want to take a minute to get the starting pitcher out of his rhythm, if the defense wants to take a minute because there's a string of hits that have been happening and you're just trying to change momentum, call a timeout. Instead of watching an old fat manager take 20 minutes to walk to the mound or watching players go into the mound and just talk about nothing, which they really are talking about nothing, allow for times out. Now we see in the NFL something that is really amazing. You've got the three timeouts per half. It is one of the most important things that a coach does is clock management. No clock management in baseball, obviously. Clock management in basketball is important, but far less important because of the way possessions change so much. It's just easy in basketball. If you want possession, you can just hack Shaq and you're gonna get possession back. The, the sacrifice is two points. Football, it's not that easy to get possession back because there are a series of downs, all of which take up time on the clock. So clock management becomes absolutely critical. So what teams do is when they're having a timeout issue, sometimes they figure out, here's what we're gonna do. We are going to fake an injury and we don't have any timeouts left. There's gonna be a rundown of the clock but that is still a better solution than if the clock would just be running. If we've got the wrong personnel on the field, right in basketball, if you have no timeouts and you wanna get someone in because you have the wrong five, you're doing offense, defense, you foul a player and you can bring back in a rebounder or a three-point shooter. There are ways that sports can do it. In baseball, you just replace a pitcher or you can do an in-game, in-at-bat substitution of field, a fielder for a fielder. 
or there's no way to change batters, right? It's the batting lineup. There's nothing you can do. So in football, there are personnel going in and out all the time. And there are rules as to when the offense can make substitutions, when the defense can make substitutions. But sometimes there's confusion, which causes a either delay or causes a team to be caught flat-footed, which is to say the team has the wrong structure out there, the wrong player personnel out there. In the game between the Bengals and the Browns this past weekend, there was a problem with the defense, and the Bengals were trying to bring in extra players. The Browns were about to snap the ball, and instead, Jesse Bates, who's a defensive back for the Bengals, go look at the video of this. If we had better video capability, which maybe we're going to have soon, we would show this to you on our YouTube channel right now, which is the Cincinnati Bengals player drops in the middle of the huddle breaking, he sees there's a problem with the personnel and he falls to the ground. The referee has no choice because the NFL is open to amazing lawsuits about injuries and concussions and they want to make sure player safety's first. No abuse here. We care about our players. Player goes down, timeout, personnel changes. The perfectly healthy player who went down walks off the field and all's well in the world. The NFL has said, Gnug, I've had enough. The NFL dealt with this fake injuries by sending a memo to all NFL teams saying, Arrête, stop what you're doing. All under the umbrella of integrity, gambling, fairness, Maybe the lack of a team having an ability to properly make substitutions is factored in some way into a line or with live betting factored into a current outcome of a play. You cannot have teams do things that are against the rules and that are not being factored in by those analytic gamblers or those live bettors who are not doing analytically because that will be a big problem. So the NFL said, here's what we're going to do. No more faking injuries. And if you do, we're going to find you. We're going to find the team. We're going to find the coach. We're going to find the player. The Saints this weekend were fined when one of their best players, really good player, their defensive end, Cam Jordan, he faked an injury. He was fined 50 grand. Got upset, said people claiming I wasn't injured. Of course I was injured. When in fact, there's no way to know. Saints were fined 300 grand. Think that's a deterrent? For some owners, maybe. When you're an owner of a team that spends your time covering up pedophilia in the Catholic Church, 300 grand for a fake injury? Come on, we fake stuff all the time. So I have a solution. The NFL, if you really want to get rid of fake injuries and you want to emphasize the importance of upholding the integrity of the game and competitive fairness, blah, blah, blah. And you want to make sure that no team violates the following rule, which is very clear. Any deliberate attempt by a team or player to stop play unnecessarily or improperly take advantage of a skip of a stoppage in play that will be considered an unfair act, quote unquote. And that unfair act is when the discipline and the fines come. 
So they're already acknowledging that it may not just be a fake injury, but it's anything that changes the potential outcome of a game. No problem. Here's what we're going to do. When a player goes down in the NFL and it's within the last two minutes, there, is, there are circumstances under which there's automatic runoff of the clock. All right, that's a good one, but not always dispositive. Fines to players get paid by the teams. We would always pay the fines of our players for hitting a, a player. When we would tell a pitcher to hit a batter and then MLB finds the pitcher, we're paying it. When we tell an, um, our manager before the season, hey, we know you're going to get ejected. It's smart to do. We trust that you know the timing. Or before a game starts, we'll say, hey, this is a good game where if something happens, we've lost five in a row. Let's try to get our team rolling. Get yourself ejected. We're paying the fine. We will budget for these type of things that happen during the course of the year. I had a separate line item, right, for the possibility of fines and ejections, miscellaneous payments made to the league on behalf of players or staff. So we know that's not a deterrent. If the fine for throwing at a player were a million dollars to the team, that would be a deterrent. But guess what? The commissioner can't just do that. He needs 23 owners to say yes. Why do you think the fines are not so substantial? Because the owners are not agreeing to fine themselves for actions that they know they do and that they approve of and that benefits them half the time and goes against them half the time. You're living with that. But when you introduce the millions and billions of dollars that are coming in for gambling and that these things are now having an impact, hitting a player, no impact. Walking a player with the bases loaded, strategy, when you're betting a baseball game, that's part of it. But when you are doing live betting, prop betting, for crying out loud, Coca, there was a gambling site last night that refunded all prop bets for Kyler Murray. He just had an injury. He had a non-contact injury, but anyone who had the over and completions or yards or whatever it was, they got their money back. If you ever wanted an indication of how much money there is in gambling and in sports books and in leagues associated with these books, just know that when you get your money back for losing a bet, that means that they know you're taking that money and not spending it on a Christmas present of a Lego set. You are reinvesting that money in your next bet that you are likely to not win. When you get a boost where you can bet $5 and win $300, but it's gotta be a parlay and if you lose, you get your $5 back, great. These things happen not just in gambling, they happen, it's the old Columbia record scheme, right? Buy four albums, get 10 free. But by the way, you have a monthly subscription. <laughs> this is called marketing. So here's my solution. Ready? I want to make it impossible for teams to fake injuries anymore. Any player who goes down in any sport, and yes, I'm talking to you, FIFA. Yes, I'm talking about the World Cup where I'm sick and tired of watching football players fall down. That's soccer, not 
both football, but I was talking soccer just now. It's so goddamn confusing, Coca. When we say football, are we only meaning NFL? Or can I say football when I'm talking about World Cup and people know I'm talking about soccer and not football? I'm just going to stick with soccer, but then I feel like you're all going to think that I don't know that soccer is called football, which it is. And now I'm this big soccer aficionado, enough so that I am, you know, uppity up enough to call it football while drinking a pint and getting excited for the semis. Anyway, I digress. So here's what we're going to do. Any player who falls, like what Jesse Bates did with the Bengals, like half the soccer football players do, and they're doing it because they look like they got hit, they're trying to draw a yellow card, whatever the case may be. If it is judged on field through replay or by any of the officials on the field, that it is wrong and fake and used to screw with time, here's the penalty. You're down a man. Now, in soccer, you're down a man when there's two yellow cards or a red card. You're playing 11 v. 10, right? In hockey, they do something called the power play. When there's a penalty, whatever the case may be, your penalty is that you have to play down. How about in football if you have to play with 10 men? Or in baseball, you have to play with seven fielders facing the catcher instead of eight. That would be the number one deterrent, because that is an actual competitive disadvantage that is resulting from what your action was, which was meant to be a competitive advantage. And if teams like GMs and managers were aware that they were going to have a significant opportunity for a competitive disadvantage, and I don't mean running off the clock, I don't mean losing a timeout, none of that but that you are going to have a competitive disadvantage. And I don't mean for a play. I mean for a series in the NFL. The only time you get back to full strength is when your defense holds or your offense has to punt or your defense forces a punch or gives up a field goal, a touchdown, an interception, a turnover. The way that owners will demand that their baseball people or football people or hockey people change behavior is not when they lose a draft pick. It's not when they lose $10 million or $1 million or $300,000. Those are all things that are discussed prior. And those are on balance, decided by teams, the juice is worth the squeeze. None of it has to do with on-field results. But if you screw with the on-field results for a team, that's what's called a deterrent. I, I'm a big fan. Can we do a side note on deterrent, deterrence? The concept of deterrence is that the punishment for an action is so far more severe than the benefit that you are deriving from the action that you will change your behavior and no longer do the action because the juice is not worth the squeeze. That's where it comes from. Three strikes, you're out. Remember that whole Clinton fiasco where if you're selling dope on the street and you're caught three times, you get life in prison? And we always said, wow, that is really not a proportional punishment. The goal of that was for people to stop selling dope, right? Didn't work. Because the people who were doing it said, hey, what are the chances I get caught and I need the money? And this is my job. <laughs> 
I've given you glimpses of this view over the years, like with speeding. If I got caught going 30 miles an hour over the speed limit, and it was acknowledged that I was 30 miles an hour over because they've got radar and there's some sort of computer in every car that gives to the authorities the speed that you're going at any particular time. And the result of that was that your license is automatically taken away, you cannot drive, and you are going to jail for 30 days. I guarantee you nobody's driving 30 miles an hour over the speed line. If the penalty for 30 hours is a more expensive ticket than it is. Deterrence. The whole key is the punishment. Jesse Bates was fined 50 grand? Who cares? But God knows he did win the award of the weekend. All right, Coca, let's transition to something that happened uh, this weekend that's quite a bit more serious. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. That's when you ask me a question. It's from the movie Half-Baked, character named Samson. I know that everyone at Moss Miami was half-baked, that's for sure. Maybe me included. Hello, David. Hello. Chris Beard was arrested on domestic violence charges. What happens in a front office or in an athletic department in this case when that news breaks? Do they hear the news before it goes public? What are the first steps that leadership takes in the aftermath of an arrest? What are the program's top priorities when events like this transpire? Thank you. That's a timely question, which is one way to get on the show by asking a timely question. Chris Beard is the coach. You may remember him or not as the coach of Texas Tech. He left Texas Tech, became the head coach of Texas. I think this is his second year. His dream job, very good hire for Texas. Everybody's all excited. And last night in the middle of the night or two nights ago in the middle of the night, he got arrested. And he was arrested for uh, domestic violence. When you get a call as a team president or an athletic department, the call is going into the AD. If it's a college, it's going into the GM. If it's a baseball player who then calls the president, who then calls the owner. When there is a, an arrest, the first thing that the team does when they get that call is they call the resident security agent, which is the person who is assigned for every team. There's one per team and then one for the league. There's really a department in the league, by the way, former law enforcement, people who are able to get information prior to the public. You call the RSA and alert them, hey, this just happened. We need the information. Secondly, you call in your PR people as you work on a statement that you are going to release about your player, your coach, or something, or someone else about what happened. Cold-blooded, but nowhere have I mentioned that the first thing is you call Chris Beard's family and say, are you okay? I'd like to say, I guess if I had to do it again, that's something that I would try to do. But at the time, when you're running a team, it's not number one on your to-do list. It is... Let's control the situation, control the narrative, and worry about what actually happened later. The next thing you do 
if you are a wimp is you say the following statement because it's page two of the PR crisis handbook in an arrest situation. It is, we are aware of the situation involving X and we will have no further comment regarding Y, Y being the action, the letter Y. Sometimes you add in a third sentence, it's always a good one, we will monitor the legal process or we will not be commenting on any of this we will let the legal process play out. Go back and look at statements. That's what they all say. And then all of a sudden there was a change in the world. And the change in the world was, we want action fast. We want releases, suspensions, firings. Act now, ask questions later. The reason teams give that first statement of, hey, we got nothing to say, we're gonna let it all play out, is it used to be, we don't know what the hell happened. We've got our RSA trying to figure it out. We're looking for any video evidence. We're looking for any audio evidence. We're trying to figure it out, then we'll make our decision. But the world today does not give you that beat. They don't give you that moment. They demand immediate gratification. Are you with me? You go to your phone, you don't have debates with your friends anymore about who was in what movie or what sport record is held by who. You don't have some drinks or have some fun and hang out and talk about it and then say, yeah, we'll never know. Or, hey, let's phone a friend and see if they know. You just GTS. You Google that shit, right? That's what you do. Okay. It's the same thing with all of these arrests that are happening. Fans the media, the public, they have these demands that require an organization to say, we are suspending this player without pay as we investigate. What happened in Texas is they did the first and then the second, and they are being criticized for that, but not by me. The first statement was, we're aware of the situation. We're gonna to continue to gather information and monitor the legal process. Normal, not interesting, not effective, but normal. Until a couple hours later when they said, the university takes matters of interpersonal violence involving members of its community seriously. Given the information available, the university has suspended Chris Beard from his position as head coach of men's basketball and will withhold his pay until further notice. Couple problems there. Number one, it shouldn't take you from the first statement to the second statement for that first statement. Terrible Coca, 4869. It shouldn't take you from the first statement to the second statement to write that first sentence. The university takes matters of interpersonal violence involving members of its community seriously. Why do you have to wait for the second statement to say that? You lead off with that. That doesn't inform us what action you're taking, whether you're suspending, whether you're monitoring the legal process. That is just a statement of fact that exists every day. It doesn't take a coach beating up his wife or not beating up his wife, or a coach getting arrested for DUI or not being arrested for DUI for you to have a philosophy that you don't agree and will not tolerate drinking and driving. But that's how they started their second statement. Next, giving the information available. Love that. 
That means what Texas is saying to you and what athletic departments do and teams is they gather. What more information do you get between a first statement and a second statement that are done basically the same day? Do you see any video proof? No, but the RSA has spoken to the police. They have found out exactly what evidence there is. Shh, that may not be lawful, but it happens every single time. Information is received because law enforcement agencies and people look out for each other, give each other information, however inappropriate it is, however against the rules it is, because they want the RSA to have information so that their team can make the right decision. Do they have it all? No. There has to be an investigation. There has to be all sorts of things that happen during the course of days, weeks, and months following an arrest. But what they have at that moment, the team's going to get. But they can't get it until the RSA or somebody has an opportunity to speak to the local municipality. Who was there? Who made the arrest? We got to get that information. We don't know. We don't have it. We're getting it. There's time that is required for that. Is it possible that what Texas learned about what Chris Beard was being accused of was far different four hours later than what they thought four hours before. Do they have a different view of domestic violence if it's against a wife versus a child, if it's a girlfriend versus a fiance, if it's a man against a woman versus a woman against a man, if it's a man against a man versus a man against a woman? Are there gradations that would lead to different suspensions yes but not initially which is why texas can avoid the first ridiculous statement you can go to your players your coaches your staff before every season the way we did and said by the way you're going to get suspended don't get yourself arrested. Don't put yourself in a position where the police need to be called. And then on top of that, no charges are going to be pressed because your wife or your girlfriend or your friend is not going to want to press charges because they're going to be so mortified that it happened. This is a cycle of domestic violence that we are trying to deal with as an organization that does not address the realities of trying to protect a woman in a relationship. That is a whole different subject that can be part of a whole different show. But your question was, what happens? What happens is they do hear the news before it goes public. They do find out what happened. And then for whatever reason, they make multiple statements. Okay, let's take a break. We're going to come back. The Golden Globe nominations came out, which is pretty cool if you're me. But we're going to review a movie that stars maybe the best actress of our generation. Maybe. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. 
And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Matthew Koch and I are here with you every day. Please rate, review, subscribe, do those things that we can't figure out why you're doing them. But do go on the YouTube page, Nothing Personal with David Sampson. Hit subscribe. There's no reason not to. It's just YouTube. Even if you have to register, what's the big deal? I watched a movie that we have to review, Coca. I watched a movie called Tar. Tar starts Kate Blanchett. Yes, the same Kate Blanchett who won an Oscar. She's been in a movie called Elizabeth. She was in The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Where in the world is somebody she starred in? She's been in scores of movies. She puts the B in brilliant. In this movie, she plays a maestro. She plays a conductor. If you do not like classical music, you will be in awe of this movie. If you like classical music, you will be in awe of this performance. She will be nominated for an Academy Award. She was nominated yesterday for Golden Globe in the drama category. The movie itself is not a true story about a woman's descent into madness, is it? It's a movie about a woman, a maestro, a conductor in a men's world who is navigating what it is to have a brain, to have some compulsions, to be what some would say is one to three standard deviations away from what people consider to be normal. Is there anything more dangerous than trying to define normal or trying to say, hey, is that person on the spectrum? Well, this person seems a little off. We all do that, don't we? You see someone on the street or you're with someone on a double date or wherever you are, and you're like, oh, that person's a little off. There's something going on there. And that leads to some judging. Well, she plays a maestro in Berlin, and what happens to her will fascinate you. The way the movie is made is so different than all the usual crap that we see. This is one of the top 10 films of the year. This will be nominated for Best Picture as well as Best Actress. And it doesn't matter if you like classical music. Please watch Tar. For me, you will not regret it. So Golden Globe nominations came out. Guess what? I'm not going to go through the nominations. We'll do that when the Oscar nominations come out. I'm not willing to give the Golden Globes the benefit of my doubt as much as I love them. Do you remember when they were canceled last year? Because there was like 10 foreign journal, Hollywood foreign press, it's always called, 10 journalists who are basically taking bribes. I mean, the Hollywood foreign press is like FIFA, but the numbers are not as big. They would make sure that Emily in Paris is nominated every year, right? I mean, just whatever they're doing. Nobody of color, it's a bunch of white people so they got canceled. One year later, they're back, baby. And they're totally different. They decided to expand from four white guys into 200 people 
many of whom are people of color. They decided that they are going to change the way that they decide nominations, broaden the base, broaden the appeal, involve minorities. And now NBC followed suit by saying, all right, you're back on the air. I love that. These networks are searching for live content however they can find it. Sports is the number one, of course, but award shows, that's right there. You think this is somehow a coincidence that the Hollywood Foreign Press changed the way it looks and all of a sudden it's good enough to be back on the air with NBC? I love that. And I'm not criticizing NBC, not by any stretch. I'm just smiling at the ability of some things to be uncanceled and some things who are canceled, some people who are canceled, never get to recover from their cancellation. Who is the arbiter of cancel? I think about this every day, Matt, every day. You, you have to think about it every day, don't you? Every time I hit the tweet button, you're worried about it. Every time we do a show like this, which is every day, you're like, my God, please make sure you're not next. Because they're coming for you. Because they're coming for everybody. And then you have to go into the redemption story. I'm a new man. I've gotten help for my sexual addiction. I've spoken to the Rebbe. Not anti-Semitic anymore. Or I don't feel like doing any of it. And therefore, I'm never going to be uncanceled. People talk this way. They think this way. I don't know. I, the inconsistency, that's the problem. Sometimes the mob is coming for you and they don't even know why. But it's just the mob mentality. Everybody came for live golf, right? Why did you go for live golf? Ah, Saudi Arabian money. Dirty money, sports washing. How dare there be a competitive tour to the PGA funded by these people who carve up journalists. How dare we go to Qatar where people and workers are dying and who knows who else are dying there. Women can't even go to the World Cup. The whole package. When do you decide that you're okay with that? People criticize Jared Kushner every day for going after Saudi Arabian money for his real estate fund. If you can't get money from anyone, don't you go to someone who's willing to give it to you? Does that sound like something that we're okay with in our country? Payday loans, loan sharks, usurious interest. What does that mean? Those are people who get a paycheck and they need to get the cash because they owe cash to either a landlord or they owe it to a bookie or they owe it to the utility company or the phone company. Whatever it is, they need cash. We will cash your check, give you cash immediately faster than it would be made available if you had a bank account, which you may not even have. Loan sharks, what are those? I got to borrow money. I owe money. I have nowhere to go. No one will lend me money. I'll do it. The interest rate will be 22%. No problem. I'll figure it out later. I need the money today. When you're trying to buy a house, what do you do? You go to mortgage companies, don't you? 
What happens when no mortgage companies will give you money to buy a house, but you really want to buy a house? Are you willing to go to a different type of mortgage company? Are you willing to go online, do an online deal where you click, I accept terms and you have no idea what you're accepting? Raise your hand if you're guilty of that. Yes, I am. Not the mortgage part, but the I accept terms part every day. I go to the bottom and I click. It's pretty good, right? We say to ourselves, we don't really know much about this, but we're gonna agree anyway. When you run a league and you want your teams to be worth billions of dollars, you know very well there is a limited base of people, a limited number of billionaires who are going to buy your teams. Therefore, you have no choice but to expand your definition of acceptable ownership structures. The Phoenix Suns are being sold because Robert Sarver is a racist, misogynist, homophobic POS. We have decided that we don't want Robert Sarver in our league, but we want this to be sold for as much money as possible. And if we need hedge funds to buy the team that are funded either by rich individuals and a combination of dirty money in Saudi Arabia, so be it. No mafia money. That was a big thing. No mafia money. But Middle Eastern money, eh, we're in. Leagues are grappling with that right now. You've got to let Saudi Arabian sovereign fund, Qatari sovereign fund. You've got to allow it the way the EPL has. The reason the EPL has is they want their asset values to go up the same way the American leagues do. And it's a matter of when, not if, that there will be foreign investment in local teams. But then who's making the decision about how you are going to feel about that as a fan or as a sponsor? Are you drawing the line? I'm not watching the NBA anymore because one of their teams is gonna have investments from Qatar or Saudi Arabia. That's it. Well, they don't really run the team. The Nets were owned by a Russian oligarch at one point, weren't they? Any idea what he did for a living? Chelsea was owned by a Russian oligarch, weren't they? They made him sell. Hmm, because of the war in Ukraine? I love it. That was the point. And this is the point of this segment. There's always a point, but if you don't know where it is, how do you inform your own actions? If you're not aware of the deterrent, if you're not aware of the punishment, if you're not aware of the rules of engagement, then how do you know how to act? It is all about knowing and understanding the rules of engagement. In the NBA, in the NFL, in MLB, it's a very simple rule of engagement. We are going to sell these teams for as much as someone's willing to pay for them. And if someone is made up of 50 individuals and those 50 individuals are being financed by Saudi Arabia, Qatar, or Mars, we're okay. But we're gonna draw this line. We're not gonna let a sheik as the control person go to our league meetings. <laughs> That's a good one, right? That's the line. They haven't said that, but of course, that's MLB would do that. They're not going to have a chic walk into a league meeting. Come on. They barely have a black person walk into the league meeting. 
It's a whole thing that's happening, folks. Pay attention. When the Suns get sold, when more teams are for sale now than ever, the Nationals, the Orioles, the Angels in baseball, the Commanders in football, Man U in the EPL, teams are for sale everywhere because owners are saying, and here's a good clue that maybe we're in a bubble situation. When owners whose sole purpose of owning the team is ego and love of what they're doing in the chance of championships, when they look and say, hey, all right, it's time. And I'm going to talk about the owners who are forced out, the Daniel Snyders and Robert Sarvers of the world. I'm talking about owners like the Learners or the Angeloses or Artie Moreno who just say, you know what? Estate planning and billions. It's going to be a conundrum one of these days, like today. Nothing personal pick of the day. I hope you were with me for Pats taking one and a half over the cards. Now, are you doing that because of Jamal Murray? Uh, not Jamal Murray. God damn it, Coca. 4869. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray had a non contact injury last night, and the Patriots won. Good news. We have the Patriots. We are 145 and 121. Quick one before we leave. We got two minutes left. Stick with me for two minutes because I'm going to have to give you my pick. Do you think that owners in the NFL are looking at Deshaun Watson, are looking at Kyler Murray, are looking at Russell Wilson, and they're saying, wow, I'm not sure that we can give quarterbacks this level of guarantee because they stink or they're good and our team stink. Arizona Cardinals have a problem because if, if Kyler Murray tore his ACL and he's going to miss a year, guess what he's not missing? his guaranteed money. And they can't release him, too much dead money on the cap. You're stuck. Guaranteed contracts for quarterbacks. No one's gonna beat Deshaun Watson. We've said it here, it's a guarantee. All right, it's semifinal day. World Cup, there are only four matches left in the World Cup. Two semifinals, the final and the third place game. That's it. Here's our play today, and it's a plus play. You are getting plus money for this. Croatia, Argentina, Lionel Messi's opportunity to win his first ever World Cup as he boards the Metro Mover to Inter Miami. He is two wins away. Croatia v Argentina will end in a draw. That's the bet today. Yes, I know that's not how it works. Yes, I know the game can't actually end in a draw because you have 30 minutes of extra time and then you've got PKs if it's not settled. There will be a winner, but that's not the bet. A draw is after the first half 45 minutes and the one or two minutes of stoppage and the second 45 minutes and the six to 10 minutes of stoppage. If then it's a tie, which is a draw, we win. And it's plus big time. Croatia Everybody on their team, you may have heard of them, you may not have heard of them, you may recognize them. They are a better team than Argentina. There's no player as good as Lionel Messi. But Croatia is under, they were in the finals four years ago against France, and France beat them. Argentina will not be able to win this game in the first 90 plus. That's the pick. All right, Coca. Oh, I wanted to get into that. 
All right, we're going to talk about that tomorrow, maybe. I'm not going to say what it is, right? Because then if we don't do it, people will say, like, you have to do it. But it may be World Cup related. We'll see you tomorrow. Enjoy the game. It's just business. This is nothing personal. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.